Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rumor Flies. I'm Ryan. I'm Josh. I'm Greg. With Indef Media. What up? And today we have another episode for you because we're talking right now. That's what we do. Yeah. And today's episode is going to be about sex and pregnancy. This is This is not... This is going to be an exercise in futility of us trying to make as few dick jokes as possible. Or vaginal jokes, too. Or just jokes about sex in general. Fucking. We're already off to a great start. <laughs> There's a tacos and hot dogs included right there. So, okay. <laughs> just this let is, it just get them out of your system. Just get them out of your system. This episode is not going to be about what moves are the most effective or, you know, what gets the engines revving the best. Anal. It's... <laughs> <laughs> can I talk? <laughs> can, can I, I talk? finish? Can I finish? Can I finish? Okay. So <laughs> it's more about the oh we gotta be adults here. We're such adults. We're adults and we can do this. We pay bills. Yes. So we're gonna be more talking about some of the myths about mainly contraception and pregnancy throughout history. I don't think there's any about exactly sex. Usually it involves somebody getting knocked up at this point with all of our topics. But you'll see what we're talking about. Now, the first topic, or Josh, unless you have anything else to say right now? No, I think you about uh, covered it all. Okay, cool. Well, let's jump into it. Yep, yep. First topic, the cold Carl. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to lead to so many urban dictionary searches. Okay. So anyway, the first topic is the contraceptives, and particularly Coca-Cola. What? Has anybody heard of this one before? No. Josh? Greg? No, No, sir. Uh, Like, drinking Coca-Cola makes you infertile? Or, I don't know. If only it was that benign. (laughs) No. The myth that has propagated for quite a long time, believe it or not, is that in lieu of the morning after pill or any other contraceptive, one can use cola, some say regular, some say diet, to kill sperm inside of the vagina after sex. So you just pour it in there? Uh, I got the method listed later. Okay. But it's it, they, a lot of people believe that it can be used as a way just, you know, you happen to have had some breakage at some point, or there just wasn't something there, and it was raw dog or something like that. Or, um, you know, people don't always know this, but double bagging, not, not correct. Yes, double bagging is not correct, regardless of what Greg tells us. Yes. Yep, 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 you know me. well you know me we recently found out today that greg actually crushes up reese's pieces and then mixes them into his whiskey this This is definitely falling under the myth category of the show it's gonna be the drink of the night we're gonna have a video supplement on it he uses the peanut butter cups as ice cubes and crushes up the reese's pieces and mixes them into some hundred pipers i feel like that would go in like a bailey's and kalua thing and it would just be so sugary well you're the one that drinks it apparently freak apparently so all right let's kill some spermin right so a little history on (laughs) some spermin you either say semen or sperm not spermin (laughs) so a little history on spermicides they actually date back to as early as 1850 bce so they're pretty old pretty well established however they were a little bit weird back then The first recorded one is an Egyptian papyrus that described a spermicide recipe using crocodile dung and fermented dough. Oh, I have heard that before. Oh, so you haven't heard about the Coca-Cola, but you heard about the crocodile shit and dough. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Jesus Christ, dude. 
I don't know where my my uh, facts come from, but I have heard that. No, seriously, how'd you hear about that one? I have no idea. I I I I, I probably read it somewhere on the internet. Um, Were you in a last pinch situation? No, this doesn't <laughs> pertain to me uh, directly, but I do remember reading about that um, from ancient Egyptian history. Well, I don't think I haven't actually. I actually looked up to see how effective this would be, and it turns out that it might have a little bit of uh, benefit to it, but it may have been overkill. So. Uh, throughout history, other concoctions were used for spermicides, such as wool soaked in various juices or oils. And the reason for this is because the acidic properties of the oils, because oils are mainly fatty acids, and juices, which have uh, a higher pH in general. Uh, oh, I screwed that one up. A lower pH in general. Uh, Idiot. <laughs> the juices that have a lower pH in general as well were believed to be effective in killing sperm post-coitus, which, Josh, means... Fucking... Yes. Okay. Post fucking. <laughs> God, I'm going to have so many bleeps to edit in this episode. Ugh, I was hoping we would have to do this. And any semblance of maturity and growth over the arc of this show was shattered in uh, nine minutes and no, in 11 minutes and four, six seconds. Great. Now they're going to look at the timestamp of when you said that and just going to be like, he cut something. Actual lab <laughs> testing for spermicides was started in the 1800s, but was hindered in 1873 when contraceptives were banned by the Comstock Act. I didn't know that happened. Apparently, we tried to ban everything at some point. America the free, right? First, we couldn't have booze. Actually, this came before the booze was banned. First, we could not have kids, and now we can't have booze. This is ridiculous. See, I thought we lived in America. <laughs> <laughs> Comstock's going to come in and try to do the population control. <laughs> Where do I know the name Comstock from? Bioshock Infinite. Thank yes, you. exactly. Okay. <laughs> I don't think it was the same Comstock, though. You don't know. Got you, fam. So, but just like uh, for Prohibition, back then in the 1870s, there was ways to get around this. So in Prohibition, for people that didn't know, if people really wanted to make wine, they could do it pretty easily because some stores would still sell grape juice, well, bricks of um, concentrated Grape juice. Greg, is, you got the same idea as me? You, you've heard this before? Um, no. Oh, why okay. Why didn't, why <laughs> well, didn't you ask me? Because Greg brewed before. Oh, okay. So, anyway, they had the concentrated bricks of grapes, uh, grape concentrate, and what they would do is they put labels on it that say, whatever you do, do not mix this with water and leave it out for about oh, two or three weeks. I did hear about This that. will That's make right. wine if you do that. Do not do this. Yeah, basically give the exact instructions. They did it for beer, too. Yeah. Like, and er like, everybody listened to them. Nobody did it. Don't right. drink this. It will get you drunk. <laughs> yeah, they basically say, like, please do not do this and leave it out for two to four weeks and then <laughs> filter it through a sieve to yeah. get rid of any of the particulate. <laughs> but that's pretty much what they did. So similar to that. Uh, in the 1870s, there were other contraceptives that were sold as feminine hygiene products. And the most popular product of the time was one that still exists today. It is known as Lysol. The thing I cleaned my counters with? Yes. Okay. That Lysol, the very same. Okay. And it probably was effective, but probably had quite a few other problems with it. Considering okay. it was fucking Lysol. I was going to say, I'm, I'm guessing issue number one was that it was Lysol. Yes. Uh, so it was marked as feminine product so they could avoid any sort of regulation. I mean, technically, I guess you could put anything as a feminine product to avoid regulation. Let's just do that from now on. I guess. So we have a quote here. This is where Coke comes in. The quote says, Coke, parentheses, and Dr. Pepper in the southern states, 
End parentheses. Which, by the way, that's weird because Coke is really po- more, probably more popular than Dr. Pepper down here. I guess Dr. Pepper just had like a big spike at some point during that time. I know, you know, Pemberton made Coke down here, but, you know, yeah, we'll um, talk about that. Yeah, well, not only that, I mean, Dr. Pepper was responsible for the JFK assassination. Yeah, so. I mean, that is a really weird thing that Dr. Pepper would just insert itself into that quote. Hmm. There's a conspiracy going on. Oh, well. Anyway, Coke and Dr. Pepper douches have been part of the contraceptive lore at least since the 1950s, with the common belief being that the carbonic acid in Coke killed the sperm and the sugar exploded the sperm cells, while the carbonation of the drink forced the jet of liquid into the vagina. So, once again, uh, if it wasn't enough that you kill the sperm, you need to explode it, too. It was like the double tap of sperm. They got really explicit there, like pinpointing what the thought process was and <laughs> and what the Coke or Dr. Pepper in southern states did while they inserted it. Well, from my limited uh, knowledge of, I guess, cellular biology, there is something like osmotic pressure where a sugar content's too high. Things will die in there because it kind of forces too much fluid to flow into them and they do lice, like they, they blow up. So that actually doesn't sound too out of, the, out of whack, but... I mean, I figured the carbonic acid would do enough. You don't have... It's already dead! (laughs) Stop it, stop it. Um, So here was your question about the delivery method. Yes. It was both a cheap and disposable shake-and-shoot delivery system. It's because it came in the bottle. You could just shake it. I guess you uncap it first, then you put your thumb over it, shake it up, and then just boop, right right up there. Why didn't they shotgun it? Wait, I mean, oh, ooh, that'd be bad. That's glass, man. <laughs> just thought, just a thought. That's glass. You can't do that. I wouldn't do it to my own mouth. But anyway, <laughs> we're we're gonna get through this, guys. So we're gonna do this. Uh, this together. is only topic one. Although no original source to the myth are known, a study in 1985 tested several cola products, such as Old Coke, New Coke, which, if anybody didn't know, there were two different types of Coke at one point. Yeah, and one had cocaine in it. Well, three different types. <laughs> Apparently, they, when New Coke was marketed, it was so bad that they just brought back Coca-Cola, the old one. That's why they call it Coca-Cola Classic now. I don't and know they, if it still says on the And they saw a general rise in consumption. Yes. People don't like new things. Siempre Coca-Cola. So they used Old Coke, New Coke, and Diet Coke. Diet Coke proved to eliminate sperm motility, which is the ability for it to move around in the uh, vagina and the cervix. Uh, it... Uh, eliminated sperm motility rather effectively with old Coke performing less effectively and new Coke performing worst of all. So new Coke just sucked at everything at that point. So diet Coke was numero uno. Yeah, it was numero uno. It's because that aspartame, that fake stuff kills, gives you your sperm cancer. But anyway, so although these may kill sperm to some degree, the sodas would not be able to catch all of the potentially hundred thousand sperm that make it into the cervix within minutes. So, Pretty much, I guess what you could do if you really wanted to get a workaround in that one is just you. Uh, oh no, where are you going with this? You put it in beforehand. Well, so and you just kind of let it be a little pond in there while you know. <laughs> um. So I I haven't brought this up yet, but isn't there one glowing after effect for all of this that can hurt women? Yeah, when you put too much sugar in a vagina. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking about, you know, like infections, like yeast infections. Exactly, and... yeast infections. Yeah. That's exactly why this is probably a terrible idea for yeah. a spermicide. You just haven't mentioned it yet, and I just want to make sure that was something we were going to hit. I had it at the very bottom of my notes. It says, also yeast infections. Oh, oh there we go. So, yeah, that's uh, what it boils down to is even though this may work, 
And also, it would work maybe if you did it beforehand instead of afterwards, because those thing, little those little buggers are fast. Um, you would get a yeast infection afterwards. So this just don't do it, ladies. Don't do it. No, I don't like to tell you what to do, but don't do that. <laughs> so anyway, that's me for the Coca Cola spermicide topic. And uh, Josh, you got the next one. Yeah, I'm going to be talking about getting pregnant in a hot tub. Now, this isn't to be confused with... Were you trying to do it in, like, Tim Meadows' Lady Man voice? I could. Ladies Man. That's a big, different movie. <laughs> um, no, it's not to be confused with uh, if you stay in a hot tub or a sauna for too long, if you're a guy, uh, where that affects your performance in the bedroom. I was a hair your sperm count. Yeah. Uh, that's what I originally thought. That No, I'm not going to be talking about that. I'm going to be talking about actually physically getting pregnant in a hot tub. Okay. But um, the whole it affects your sperm, whatever. No, that does. That's not true. The heat's okay. Yeah, because you know, I'll, I'll, I'll try to sh on it later. Just well, keep going. No, um, the book that I read, um, "Why Do Men Have Nipples?" What they mentioned in it was that the number one place where people spend time in hot tubs and saunas is, I believe, Sweden or Finland, one of the two. And whatever one it is, I don't remember off the top of my head because I don't have the book and I'm a piece of shit. But whatever one it is, that's also the number one place where people have the highest sperm count. Really? So that's how they completely, yeah. Anyway, so getting back to this, getting pregnant in a hot tub. Now, finding the, the origin of this is really hard because it's an old wives' tale that's been passed along for, you know, a while. Did it exist before hot tubs? Uh, I'm sure it did. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it would probably be something like, you know, in a bath. Or, or a hot spring. Yeah, hot spring, whatever. Draw me the water, please. Exactly. But the most recent claim to fame that the medium uh, took with this was in a episode in a little uh, commercialized television show called Glee in 2009. Really? Yes, because one of the dipshit characters thought that he got his girlfriend pregnant from kissing her in the hot tub. Oh. That, that's an actual like plot line in, in the show. Now, the, the weird thing about all this is like there was no fornication. There was no, no P in the V for uh for the TV show. He just believed that she got pregnant from them making out. Were they snowballing? He did mention some dribbling before shooting, but uh that was on his end, but there was no anything else. Okay. So, yeah, I, I kind of died a little on the inside that I had to go through all that, but uh anyway, according to americanpregnancy.org, the simple answer is no. You cannot get pregnant in a hot tub if I guess I should have explained this better. One of the biggest misconceptions that people have is that if I'm in a hot tub, me personally, and I just decide to come everywhere and then some girl gets in there after me, she can get pregnant. Yeah, that's one of the ones that I've heard. Yeah, that cannot happen. So sperm cannot live long enough in um, hot water like a hot tub. Uh, some other things to consider is like the chemicals. That are in, you know, pool water. God, I'd hope there's chemicals in a hot tub. Uh, bubbles and just like other natural grime that's in there. Your sperm won't live long enough to penetrate into a woman's happy place. Okay. But what about the flip side of it where if they're having sex in the hot tub? I was getting to that. Yes, that is possible. Only because anytime there is penetration, it can happen. Okay. That's like that is the the uh like the baseline for this. If there is some some penetration between a man and a woman, then it is possible for them to to have a baby. See, I was thinking about that cuz I I now that you mentioned it, I wasn't even thinking about the whole just, you know, 
uh, free swimming sperm in the hot tub type of thing, getting a woman pregnant. I have heard that one too, but the yeah. one that I heard was like a lot of people thought like you can't get pregnant in a hot tub because it's too hot in general for the sperm because like even like if you're having sex in the in the hot tub. And I initially thought that that was wrong because body temperatures are regulated, you know, like you have this kind of buffer in the human body between that and the very hot water. Right. No, I mean, basic rule of thumb is, and I mean, this is according to, like I said, uh, AmericanPregnancy.org, which, by the way, why is it American Pregnancy? I was going to ask you the same thing. Is I there, don't know. Is there a EuropeanPregnancy.org? I right. didn't look that. <laughs> Just type in EuropeanPregnancy.org or AustralianPregnancy.org or AntarcticPregnancy.org. Look up KazakhPregnancy.org. Yeah, whatever you want, buddy. Whatever, whatever tickles your pickle. So, but the basic rule of thumb is that any time that there's penetration, it is possible to have a baby. Now, I've also um, heard <laughs> that uh, along with the hot tub, uh, another reason why you can't get pregnant in there is because typically the girl's on top uh, and gravity. Gravity, sets man. In. Gravity. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's nature's number one contraceptive. I guess we should have knocked that one out immediately. <laughs> but, the, 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 you know, same thing still applies as long as I'm there's not seeing any variations of other countries. But it also might be because different countries have their own different. So, yeah. listeners, take caution. This only applies in America, as far as we know. <laughs> it might not apply elsewhere. He is technically correct. We don't know. But, yes, that was the basic premise is that, uh, you know, it, it's pretty impossible to shoot your load a little early and then impregnate someone else. And, you know, the best part about doing all the research for this, by the way, was looking at Yahoo Answers. Oh, that's always my number Yahoo one thing. Answers is absolutely amazing. God. Dave Stecco has had plenty of success from Yahoo Answers. As well, we know one of the stories the girl was talking about was how um, she was going to be in a hot tub with her boyfriend and, you know, they were planning on getting frisky. But she's also heard of a girl whose brother was bathing before her. And this was before, you know, everybody had separate bath water. And so her brother did his thing in there before she got in there. And she went in the bathwater after and then she got pregnant uh, because and they know this because this is my favorite part about all this. This was back when people didn't have separate bathwater, but they were able through DNA testing to prove that the child was the brothers. <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite uh, you know, part about that story. You know, sometimes uh, technology can be backwards. <laughs> I'm like, you can't have separate bathwater, but we can do DNA testing like there's no tomorrow. Not an issue. Anyway, that's all about that. Okay. So I guess I'm clear for the next topic. Yep, yep. All right. So I got another somewhat long one right here. That's not a dick joke until I just made it one. I was going to say, damn it. All right. Uh, we're going to talk about if a diet determines whether the baby is going to be a boy or a girl. And by that, I mean what the woman eats during her pregnancy will determine whether you have a higher likelihood to have a boy child or a girl child. I know it was redundant, but I had to fill in some words there. Real nice. Uh, real quick, before anybody gives me, an, like, uh, before I get into it, Greg, Josh, what are you weighing in on this one? Yeah, I don't think it matters. Greg? Um, yeah, I don't, I would imagine it doesn't, um, just based on, from what I've, what, what I remember hearing is that it's more about actually the time of month for the woman. There's a certain percentage chance of gender. I don't know if that's true, but um, that's what I've heard. All right. Well, let's get on the magic sex bus yeah. and find out. Uh, so, <laughs> so first off, we're going to get into a little bit of biology. Uh, everybody has chromosomes. 
and males have uh, on their sex chromosome they have an X and a Y chromosome and women have a X and an X chromosome. So two X's for women, X and Y for males, right? Yes. Okay. So it is believed that when you eat during pregnancy, it can determine a baby's sex. Uh, anything ranging from which vegetables to which meats or specific times of day that one eats can actually affect the gender of the baby. That's what everybody said. Like if you go to almost any website about an expecting mother or Yahoo Answers. Nice or Bing, they'll give you a plethora of answers of what you can do to potentially get that future football player, that future ballerina. And I'm not going by gender stereotypes. I meant like the, the male ballerina and the female football player. That's fine. There you go. Okay. So, I to point it out. You sexist. Hey, both if, of you. If, look, if I could figure out a way to win the genetic lottery <laughs> and have like a six foot five left-handed pitcher uh, in the, you know, for the major leagues, I am all about that. Okay. So, um, they actually did some, and by they, I mean, let's Science. see. Science. Man. Yes. The, the Proceeding of Royal Society B, which is a, a journal. What happened to A? I don't know. I think it just got wiped off the face of the earth. They don't, you don't ask about A. No, we'll start our own journal with blackjacks and hookers. In 2008, the journal actually performed a study, well, they published a study, uh, where they tested 740 pregnant women who were white, non-obese, and had no previous medical issues, and who had not had a baby previously. That is a great control group, because that, I can't think of too many other things that would really, you know, they had matched up everything possible. They were asked to recall their general diets over the past year all the way to late into their pregnancy. They were also asked to write a food journal for a week during their pregnancy so pretty much it's just like what did you have you know for breakfast lunch dinner do you have any snacks in between just and i think they got very specific with it where it's just like times a day not just like breakfast lunch dinner it's just like times a day you had this um how much of it you had um generally like what was it you know how many servings they went very strictly with it and once again their control group was very strict there were almost no room for uh that's you're supposed to do for a scientific study you're supposed to eliminate any non-controllable factors as much as possible yeah Yeah, just like when we were talking about crack babies you know they couldn't do a study like that because they couldn't eliminate a bunch of you know the different factors for all the specific children yeah right and it's completely unethical once again (laughs) spanning over into this episode (laughs) so the collected data suggests that women who ate the highest calorie diets around the time of conception were most likely to deliver a boy 56 percent of the highest calorie consuming women delivered boys where 46% of the lowest calorie consumers delivered boys. And really, 56 and 46 isn't a giant margin when you think about it. But at the same time, the numbers are still significant from that size of a study group. That's, that's still, you know, basically half, though. Yeah. yeah it's we'll, close we'll, to half. We'll get take. to that with one of my, my next topic, but continue. So this is just what the thing said. So if we're going by any sort of uh, term, you know, a little bit more chance... Confirms it, you know? I mean, 56% is more than 50%. Yeah. No, 46% I'm... is less than 50%. Yeah, you're right. So I'm not I'm not saying I agree with this in general. I feel like there should be other studies involving this. Yeah. But this first preliminary one that has been done accurately seems to suggest that higher calorie diets is what really matters when you want a boy or a girl. Now, the reason for this, they all, another little fact, those who favored high potassium breakfast foods such as grain cereals were also shown to have higher frequency for delivering boys, which is interesting. There was no correlating data with that or anything like that or to explain why that might be the case, but it's just a trend that they noticed in the meantime. I don't know. I don't know how much faith I put into well, that. Well, it sounds like something that's like it's 
it's enough to be like, okay, let's keep looking at it. Well, here's the data that actually, well, the theory behind it that some people suggest that might, I think it makes a little bit of sense if we're going to go with this is true. So the study also hints the strong bias seen in other animals where well-nourished mothers deliver more boys and less nourished mothers deliver girls. Uh, the evolutionary idea behind it is that low nourishment suggests that a low abundance of food and a necessity for population control in the group. So pretty much it's saying that you can have the females, but if you don't have any males around, there cannot be a continuance of the generations afterwards. So if you have like low nourishment, you got to at least curb one of the group. I guess it could have been either. It could have been less females at that point too. You just have to kind of regulate it and make sure one of them they're not even, so it can keep going. You have to have like a, a deficit of one if you have the deficit of the food. That way, less younger made at that time until more food and resources are available. Okay. So I think that would kind of make sense. Uh, like I said, we, the numbers that we're looking at right here, 56% for higher-calorie diets delivered boys. There were 46% for lower-calorie diets delivered boys. Not that much, but it's still above 50-50. And with 740 people is a rather large group. It's larger than most studies that you'll see that um, are done in these type of cases, especially natal cases. Well, I mean, I guess it's because I know my next topic I'm about to talk about. Um, oh, this guy has another topic that's just going to trump man. All right. Well, no, no, no. It's it's a, actually a, a really nice segue into it. But um, I don't know, man. I just I, I think that I definitely need some more research in there before I can actually put any kind of like validation into it personally i mean it makes sense like from from just like a strictly like evolutionary like scientific standpoint i can definitely understand where they're coming from anyone offering pell grants just contact joshua he's got a good study for you yeah i don't know i just i feel like i need just some more research in there i mean like you said that's a big you know big number of people for a group but i'm i'm just not convinced call me you know whatever you want a conspirator all right conspirator whatever you want just give me your next topic. Let's see what you got. Well, the next Dick. thing I'm <laughs> the next thing I'm gonna be talking about is uh, pregnant women are eating for two people. Okay. I mean, uh, Ryan, have you heard this? I mean, this is something I've heard over and over and over again. Yeah. Well, uh, the long story short is, sorry, ladies, uh, it's not true. Now, the thing is, is like you are going to need to add more calories to your diet, but that's not gonna justify eating two double cheeseburgers uh, just because you're pregnant. Well, I never saw us literally eating twice as much. No, I have heard I people saw... say, I need to eat this much because yes. I'm eating for two people. Yeah, I've took I've it as... I'm eating for, more I'm eating for my 150-pound-plus self plus my less-than-three-pound child inside of me. I, they need the same portion as me. <laughs> I, well, I've heard that basically like, oh, I need to eat more because I'm actually eating for somebody else. It's not just me who's going to get these nutrients and these vitamins and minerals. It's somebody else. Okay. Have you never? No, I mean, I just always heard it's just like in general, like I'm eating more because I need it. But like, I never heard like it, it was like a two for two. Well, I mean, obviously, it's not like you're not, you know, if you're a hundred and you know, hundred pound woman, you're not eating for two hundred pound women, you know, like Ryan said. Right. Yeah, but I, actually, it's actually really good that you brought that up because I'm going to get into that in a minute. Yeah, I'll just let you continue because I'm curious where this is going. Yeah. Um. But basically, uh, an average healthy woman. Uh, will put on about 25 to 30 pounds during their pregnancy. Now, that number depends on your BMI, which is your uh, body mass index. So depending on that, it depends on how much weight. It could be anywhere from 
you know, 10 to 15 pounds or 30 to 40 pounds, depending on where you are with your pregnancy. Enough. Yes. So I've broken down into the trimesters because I think this really kind of clears things up. So weeks one through 12 are your first trimester. But during that time frame, you should only put on about two to four pounds during those first three months. So weeks 13 through 28 are the second trimester and weeks 29 through 40 are the third trimester. But during that time, you should only put on about three to four pounds per month during those, you know, other 28 weeks. So that's basically where the 25 to 30 pounds comes in for, you know, your standard average woman. But this was the most interesting thing to me. What doctors say um, is something as simple as an extra slice of whole grain bread with a tablespoon of peanut butter per day would suffice for the extra calories for your baby. Oh, well, that's boring. Or a couple glasses of milk with some sunflower seeds or a tuna sandwich. Who's making these combinations? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, like to, <laughs> I like to spritz my milk with a little bit of sunflower seeds. <laughs> I like my Lebanese tea, but instead of the tea, I like milk. And instead of the pine nuts, I like sunflower seeds. Buffalo Ranch by David. <laughs> it's a really... This episode is brought to you by <laughs> Buffalo Ranch Sunflower Seeds. It's, I mean, it's, uh, I will say it's very interesting, you know, very specific type of combination. But what it basically shows is that you don't need a whole lot of extra calories, you know, for that extra little bit that you're eating for. Now, where does this added weight go? I thought this was really fascinating. So Straight to my thighs. <laughs> it goes to my rear area. So for the baby itself, about six to eight pounds go to that. The placenta is about a, a pound and a half. The amniotic fluid? Amniotic. amniotic. Okay, we'll go there. Two pounds. I'm not smart. Uh, uteruses are about two pounds, uh, or for guys, deuteruses. Uh, your breasts are another two pounds. Your blood and body fluids, eight pounds. And your your body's protein and fat is seven pounds. Just so you're clear, Josh, you are talking directly to a female listener right now and you're telling them all those things about themselves. Well, that's about proportionally <laughs> where the weight will go. No, no, for your average you know, woman, 25 to 30 pounds that she puts on, that's about where it goes. I thought that was really interesting. Fucker. Yeah, just second person. You were strong in the second person right there. They were learning a lot about themselves well, that they I didn't know you knew about them. I can't talk about this personally because I don't have the right parts for all of this. Anyway, <laughs> the last bit of interesting bit about foods that pregnant mothers shouldn't eat is things like smoked seafood, uh, like whitefish, salmon, or mackerel. Hot dogs or deli meats, unless steaming hot, so they can't be cold. Um, I didn't know that. I'm Refri- thinking about it right now. Refrigerated meat spreads, unpasteurized milk or juices. Store-made salads? Hey, nobody's supposed to drink unpasteurized milk, except for cows, directly out the udder. Unpasteurized soft cheeses? Okay. So everything that can culture a lot of bacteria at once. Pretty much. You know, I mean, we covered that when we talked about honey uh, in one of our previous episodes. Yeah, I was thinking about that. They didn't have honey listed on there, did they? No, they did not. But I think that's more because you can't feed that to a baby as opposed to yeah, a Yeah, I guess mother. when it's still in the womb, in the womb, the mother has that protective, you know, botulism barrier against the baby. So, yeah. Yeah. But no, that's it. We good. That's it? We good. All right. That was actually pretty interesting for the most part. I liked it. So uh, you said a slice of bread with a little bit of peanut butter on it. That well, does pretty much suffice. not yeah. equal a Reese's peanut butter pie from Burger King. No, I mean, you only need about 300 Which are calories. delicious, along God. with the Oreo pies. You only you need about... You all this hell about Reese's with Reese's Pieces earlier, and you're like, mmm, Burger King, Reese's, peanut butter pie. Like, 
But seriously, aren't all of Burger King's products so delicious? The apple pie is kind of ridiculous. Except the Euro Whopper. You can have it your way there. Don't talk shit about Burger King. We're trying to get a sponsorship. <laughs> Burger King, TM. Have it your way. But yeah, basically that extra slice of bread with some uh, some peanut butter is only about an extra 300 calories. And that's all you really need per day. So no dough bash cake. Nope. So... <laughs> That was probably the most southern thing we've said on this show. <laughs> is that not a thing everywhere else? Uh, I'm pretty sure. Isn't Dobesh kind of like a New Orleans southern thing? I, I always kind of got that impression. I have no Listeners, idea. Listeners, don't look it up, Greg. Listeners, right into us. <laughs> Do you know what we're talking about? DeBergy cake. DeBergy <laughs> <laughs> <The> cake. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next topic. Everyone's initially female. So, not going to lie, I thought this was complete bullshit. When I first heard it, I didn't even acknowledge it. I thought it was just one of those things where people say, like, oh, you know, it, it just sounds like one of those things where people just say it, and then it's like, oh, well, that's a cool little factoid that nobody will look up. It's why boys have nipples, and, all, like, you know, it explains all these little parts in our body that are similar. And yeah, and then I fucking looked it up. So, as I said before, men are XY chromosomes, and women have XX chromosomes. That's what gets passed on and determines the gender or the sex of the child after post-coitus and conception. Yes. So in the first five or six weeks, the X chromosome dictates most of the development of the fetus. So everything that's happening that's getting shaped at that point is just being determined by specifically the female portion of the chromosome. Well, shouldn't the Y chromosome be the one that dictates development? That's two dick chokes this night, I think. It's not like I said dick chokes. I meant dick jokes. So, At this point, like that's the, a third the, dick joke right there. The level of maturity you've shown this episode, like I said, has <laughs> set us back. We've reserved ourselves a little bit, okay? I know. I've only mentioned like two sex moves, and one of them we just glazed over, like nobody noticed it. <laughs> Anal. He said glaze. God damn it. Okay, so the general frame of the body is formed as a basic model, and with the ovaries already developing along with the genital bud. So pretty much you have like a Barbie doll fo- like forming inside of you know the the womb at this point or that, a Ken doll it's it's, un, it's it's debatable at this point it's a GI Joe or a GI Jane we don't know that's pretty terrifying yeah so you have that and like i said there's a genital bud so it's just kind of like this little lump between the legs after 6 weeks the SRI gene present on the Y chromosome and only on the Y chromosome so sorry ladies you get none of this starts to inhibit further reproductive development from the X chromosome so at this point, this is where like the male side of it comes in, and a few interesting things happen at this point. The ovaries drop down below the genital bud to form the uh, the testicles, uh, and the clitoris forms into the shaft and head of the penis. This so, is terrifying. Yeah, I mean, just imagine the shaping. And actually, this is kind of the way that uh, uh, sex reassignment surgery works. Oh, okay. Okay. They do. They just do it in reverse, pretty much. Yeah. And I actually have heard that myth before um, that the clitoris is basically a small penis, and yeah. that's why it's sensitive for women. That, yeah. I've actually, why, I have heard that before. And a lot of people say it, the yeah. whole thing with like you know that's it's because you know all boys were originally girls at first. So it turns right. out it's that's pretty damn how true. All these are connected. Like there's all these different little myths, and it's starting to kind of make a little sense now. Josh, you're gonna <laughs> like this one. Some other indications of starting as a female are the crease along the scrotum called the scrotal raffi. Like, yes, like the children's singer. Wait, <laughs> the gooch? Are we talking about the gooch? Like the gooch area? No. What? We're talking about like the gooch area? No, like we're talking about like if you were to unzip your pants right now and just drop them, just look at your ball sack, you have like a little crease down right down the middle of it. Oh! 
Ah, there you nice. go. There, he sees it now. Yeah, I do. All right. I needed some uh, some uh, physical evidence. Stand up and show the rest of the room. Here you go, guys. So <laughs> that's the first indication. That is where the labia fused around the testes to form the scrotum. Okay. So like, this is like just efficiency. This yeah. is like biological like efficiency. This, like, one, this one like genital package thing that just morphed into what we end up having. Yeah. That's, in- that's actually really fascinating. Yeah, yeah, it's just resource management. And actually, uh, Josh, I know that said you'd really like this one, but that wasn't what I was talking about. Okay. Josh just really loves scrotums. It's crazy. <laughs> like, he's just fascinated by them. My other friends call me the scrote goat, so. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> okay. And this is the one you're going to like. As stated before, nipples. So nipples, although seldom used uh, <laughs> of use to most men, were formed before the SRY gene took action in the chromosome uh, of the Y. So pretty much before the Y chromosome could even kick in and like start developing stuff for the, the male side of things, the nipples are already formed by the X chromosome. So we're stuck with it. We just didn't get the mammary glands or anything like that. So kind of interesting. That's why males have nipples. We just answered that question. All right. We'll have to write in the guy who wrote the book and be like, hey, off we know mm-hmm. the answer so this is actually really interesting like <laughs> he's like well you could have read the book no <laughs> i can't wait till we interview him <laughs> that would be pretty cool that'd be dope after we just told him to fuck off yep but anyway uh i actually thought this was pretty interesting because I, I had to eat curl on this one i was like bullshit from the get-go but no this is really interesting so i mean like you know everybody says you have to walk a mile in somebody else's shoes we walked like six weeks in a woman's shoes for a second hey we'll take it uh josh you want to finish this off yeah yeah uh so what i'm talking about uh for my last topic will be a woman carrying a baby and what i've heard so many times before is that if a woman is carrying her baby really low in her belly then it's a boy or if the baby's really high up then it's a girl have uh, either one of you heard this before no N- neither one of you really okay actually yes i have okay dick yeah, I've definitely heard that before. Well, so what exactly does that mean? And, and simply what it basically means is where the uterus is positioned on a pregnant woman. So that that is what people are referring to as the high-low uh, with the baby. So scientists have determined that this method, meaning that if it is high, it's a girl. If it's carried low, it's a boy. So it's like a baby blackjack? Yes, uh, but scientists have determined that this method of figuring out the gender of the baby works. Right, really? Wait, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, about 50% of the time. That's actually really fascinating. Wait, wait, fifty percent of the time, you mother. I was waiting for both of you to <laughs> let that horse <laughs> let that horse cross the finish line. I was watching Gregor that point. I was like, fifty percent. That automatically means nothing. <laughs> yeah, like as I'm saying, I'm like, hey. It's actually quite easy to determine why a baby might sit higher on a woman. Um, one of the biggest factors might be her uh, core strength. Um, Poopas. Well, the tighter her ab muscles are, the, the higher the baby's gonna sit. Okay. And uh, and on the flip side, though, if a woman is maybe a little older or she's actually had a baby before, the baby's naturally going to sit lower. So you can't really put a whole lot of faith into that. First kid gets the high horse. Second kid just gets to slouch a little bit. Pretty much. Uh, and another thing to consider is how the baby's positioned in the belly as well, because not all babies are, you know, going to sit in one spot the whole time. They move around. So that can also determine where, you know, whether it's higher or lower, depending on the time. So, especially if the share space, Josh, that must have been terrible for you. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember it, so, you know, I can't really complain about it too George much. George complains about it to me all the time. <laughs> but, I mean, that's basically it, though. So, uh, you know, where the baby's position doesn't really factor into what the, what the sex of the baby's going to be. There's been no way to actually determine it. So, 
Uh, what I decided to do to end all of this would be to look in some of my favorite old wives' tales that are bullshit and worth mentioning. Okay. So, adding Drano to a woman's urine will determine the sex. Oh. Yes? Wait. No? No, it's not true. But wait, no, wait, wait, like, wait. If you, if oh, you, it'll tell you. Yes. Not determine. I'll just say, determine, like, after well, it'll, the... So if if you take uh, a pregnant woman's urine and you add some Drano to it, if it turns blue, green, brown, or black, it's a boy. If it turns red, yellow, or has no change, it's a girl. This is my favorite. Well, well before you go further with that one, okay, I don't know where they got Drano from, but that is actually how amino acid tests work. I don't get why they thought Drano would be a good amino acid test, but well, that's uh, it's kind of interesting. They base it off of something. Thing? Well, Ryan, let me ask How you this. How old is that old wives' tale, though? I mean, it's obviously not that old. I mean, okay. Because it's not something that, you know, they were doing back in the Civil War. Would that be crazy if, like, back in the Civil War, somebody was like, damn, I guess this name brand Drano isn't working on the urine to tell if I'm having a boy or a girl, like, to change color. Well, Ryan, but as somebody... what if we could find something that did change color? Huh? Well, it was real quick. Drano came out in 1923. It's actually older than I thought it would be. Yeah, I thought... I, I did not know that. That's why we have you around, Greg. Yeah. Now, one of my favorite uh, old so wives... So, my older than Drano. Okay. Huh, that's a good point. Uh, if a woman... I don't know how it's relevant at all. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, oh, it's, you know. That's an interesting thought. Right, that's right. If a woman gets prettier during her pregnancy, then it's a boy. If she gets uglier, it's a girl. <laughs> <laughs> what? That was my favorite. Because they say that the, the baby girl is stealing her mother's beauty. Yeah, that's exactly what's implied from that moment. You just got pretty f- ugly so uh you're definitely that having means a girl boys are just going to be just as ugly in general they don't need any beauty to them whatsoever they're just going to come out straight ugly that was that all was... babies look like potatoes the second they come out <laughs> yeah. little screaming shitting potatoes i'm sorry i i do want kids but babies are ugly oh babies are hideous i'm with you man now the last two um that was the big one that was my favorite if a woman gets more acne while she's pregnant then it's a girl okay Eh, I don't, I don't know, know about that one. Yeah. Well, oh, because the her, her beauty's going. Oh yeah, there you go. There you go. And Another the other... thing about babies, they are totally just tiny, like drunk people. <laughs> I, I know if somebody else has said that, but it's totally true. Like, and they look like old people. They do. Yeah, I can definitely see that. All babies are Benjamin Buttons. <laughs> <laughs> now the the last one is if a woman's left breast grows more than her right breast, then it's a girl. I have no idea why. You know, I, I thought always all breasts really were disproportionate. I, that's what I always heard. That or just felt. like just like how one nut like sinks a little bit lower than the other. Uh, you want to get that checked out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's that's pretty much it, though. I figured those would be a little little fun thing to end on with this episode. I like those. We could have actually looked up more about them in the future. Oh well. I mean, none of them are true, but. I mean, I just, I'd be thought it was fun to hit on, especially someone getting uglier. I was like, what the f*** does that have to do with anything? One of them was piggybacking off of the other one. <laughs> Unless somebody has, like, an uh, acne fetish. I, you know, Ryan, I'm sure that's a thing. Oh, of course it's a thing. The internet exists. Now everything is a thing. So. Rule 34. Yeah. Oh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. On that note. Before we get, <laughs> before we get into popping. All right. Ah, oh, dude. Oh. Uh. <laughs> Clop, clop. Not ah! clop. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that Brony documentary totally glossed over that, and I thought that was really disingenuous, actually. They, like, totally glossed over that. I never watched it. I, it's actually, it was interesting, but it was, like, trying to be, it was trying to, like, 
You know, I'm glad Be you mentioned that. I, I had mentioned bronies on this document here. I'm glad we managed to cover that. I know, right? I'm just, I'm just really bringing us along. Oh, I know we're way off track, but that did bother me a ton. They, like, completely glossed over it. Well, we're glad we, we, we covered these. <laughs> Greg, speaking as a brony, is offended by that documentary. Oh, it did you, not man. represent him well I, enough. I know there's one called Rainbow Dash. I, I am aware of this. Because it's the only one that matters to him. <laughs> it's the only, Yes. All right. I well, you, Greg. I, I'm really glad that we covered all of these. This was this was definitely an interesting one for us. I know we were kind of sophomoric and childish at points. You know, I think we did much better than I thought we were gonna do. Yeah. No. I, I I'm I I think I was the worst culprit in all of this, but I have no shame, so it does not bother me. But this was all like genuinely interesting things that I've heard multiple times, minus the Coca-Cola as a contraceptive. Don't know where that shit came from. I will say to our credit, as much as we made like inappropriate sex jokes and stuff, when we actually started talking about like genitals in a scientific way, we were incredibly straight faced, which I did not think was going to happen. I, I was actually impressed by that. Yeah. I, I did compare a scrotum to a child singer. <laughs> and on that <laughs> And uh, this is Greg from In-Depth Meanie. Oh, God. In-Depth Meanie. <laughs> All right. Before we just go any worse, uh, who wants to say how people can reach us? Uh, oh, before we do that, YouTube, we still want 100 subscribers. Yes. Just do it. Uh, and if you could write a review for us as well, that would be baller. On iTunes especially. It's it's so important on there. We know it's a really arduous task, but it really goes a long way. And, right. and it'll help people find we're taking the time to say this every damn episode because we're not copying and pasting. That means we care about it, okay? I don't play the theme song live every time because that, that's not as important. This is important. <laughs> we need <laughs> iTunes reviews. Bum, bum. We should totally acapella the theme song one episode. Nah. <laughs> nah. Nah, brah, Amy. Nah, brah. Nah, brah. Yes, so uh, YouTube, great. Uh, iTunes reviews, even better. Greg, how else can they reach us? Uh, you can find us at RumorFlies on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash RumorFlies, RumorFliesPodcast.com, RumorFlies at gmail.com. You can find us on Google+. Ryan always likes to give a nice little cheer, throw up a little cross-eyed door. He's making a nice big cross with his arms here. Um, we are on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, um, basically anywhere podcasts can be found. And I believe that covers, we already said YouTube, so... Yeah, pretty much everything. Uh, We are part of the Dark Myths Collective. If you guys want to go check that out, darkmyths.org. Those are some really great people. They have some awesome podcasts. We've had some awesome ones join us on the show before, as I've heard. Yeah, we got some newbies now. Uh, Well, newbies, but they're way older than us and way more successful than (laughs) us. Um, But check it out. It's getting better every day. So Yep, darkmyths.org. There's a whole bunch of great stuff on there. Uh, And I think that is really about it. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, guys. I'm Josh. I'm Ryan. I'm Greg. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. Greg here. Really excited to introduce this week's musical guest. It's Greg Schatz and the Friggin' Geniuses with I Hope You're Happy Now. I've actually had the pleasure of working with him and his band, recording them here around New Orleans. They're absolutely fantastic, so I hope you enjoy the song. Yeah.
Make each other miserable We're gonna have to say goodbye 